Why are you standing? How come you're standing? She would appreciate that.
Brother Ken, let's open up in a song to sing together this morning. Brother Ken. Amen. If you find one, the Red Song Book this morning, page 333, I'll Fly Away. We all know the song very well. We'll do all three verses this morning, page number 333 in your Red Song Book. Hospital. Pray for Brother Doug. And then also pray for Brother Delmas Roar. Sister Annette called this morning. He was back in the ER overnight with heart conditions, struggling there uh, with potassium, other things. So pray for him. Let's remember our services today. If we're here, we need the Lord here. Amen. Shane, you open us up in prayer. Let's go to the throne room. Brother Shane, pray for us, buddy. Worship, Lord, we thank you for a, a place who's built, whose doors are open on a Sunday morning. Lord, we thank you for the weather that uh, you've sent our way. Lord, uh, we know that you do all things well. Lord, we thank you for the people that are gathered here. Lord, we thank you for the word that will be preached to us today. Father, we do pray for the singing here. Lord, we pray that you would turn our hearts and our minds towards you, that uh, you would help us to, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, we pray for the practice that will be going on today. May you help us, Lord, to do things to the best of our ability. But, Father, most importantly today, we pray for the preaching of the word. Lord, that is the means that you've chosen to bring your people to yourself. And, Father, we do pray that today the word of God would go forth in power and authority. Lord, we pray that you would give us ears to hear, that, that we would hear this word, and, that it, and, that, it would, and that it would impact our hearts. Father, we also pray that if someone here has not bowed that knee to Jesus Christ, then, Father, we pray that today would be their day of their salvation. Father, we love you, and we can never thank you enough. And it's through your son we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Pray for the choir this morning. I love this kind of song, and I love to hear Scott sing. Did you listen now as the choir sings? Past is a promise. Will there be a 
Well, I'll do one more for you this morning. And if you think back to all the times that God rescued you and took you away to that field of grace, you'll be reminded that for his children, he is always an ever-present help in a time of need. Amen? Never one time's abandoned us or forsaken us. Uh, you listen to Kyla's song, uh, Lydia Sings, Field of Grace.
Until my soul has been restored.
so much, choir. Wonderful job. Man, I like looking out and seeing a full church. I appreciate you being here on a Sunday morning. Thank you so much. Several announcements that I want to bring to your attention this morning. Most of these are in your bulletin, but I want to go over them with you. This coming Saturday, having a teen, young adult activity, uh, ugly sweater contest, gingerbread house, caroling, several things starting at 5 o'clock in the teen room. So keep that in mind, teens and young adults. Sunday, December the 23rd, that's the Sunday before Christmas. Uh, we'll be doing a baby shower uh, for Cameron and for Courtney Martin on their new baby. Uh, so remember that if you would. That's for everybody. As always, we'll do that downstairs. Keep that in mind if you would. And then, of course, uh, after church today, uh, need all of our folks to please stay. All those who are participating in the drama, you're welcome to stay for lunch. We have lunch prepared. Uh, if you choose to go out, we will be kicking off at 1.30 and we'll be practicing through the evening. I got two announcements related to our uh, upcoming Christmas drama. Brother Daryl is still looking for some folks to help with a parking lot. Speaking of parking lot, can we say amen? Amen. I, amen. I think that, yeah, that's right. I love what Connie said to me this morning. She said, Preacher, I'm just like that. When I drove up and saw the parking lot, I was like the firefly. I was delighted. So, uh, I am as well. Thank you so much for your contributions to that. We got lot. They're not done with it. Lots more to do, but certainly uh, we're glad to be able to expand our parking lot. In addition, I put out a message yesterday, and I want to clarify it. Some folks had some questions. Uh, we have lots of youngsters in our Christmas production this year, as we do every year. When they're not on stage, we need some eyes and some supervision. Sister Bethany Craig has graciously agreed to uh, help facilitate that, but of course she can only be in one place at a time. So if we have any ladies who can help during practice today and or next Sunday and or during any night of the Christmas production. Uh, please see Miss Renee. Uh, I've also got one nursery worker already. If you want to help out in that capacity, you can do that as well. Again, see Miss Renee for that uh, as soon as possible. Yes, that's what I said, honey. See, she's giving me the queen's wave. <laughs> All right, let me, uh, let, me, let me chat to the Iwana folks and the drama folks for just a second. Um, our final Iwana for this year is scheduled for December the 19th. That's uh, Wednesday night, of course. Uh, however, if you have looked at the long-range forecast, you know that next weekend uh, they're calling, of course, it's a week out, but they're calling for a pretty significant snow event here locally next weekend, Friday night, Saturday, Saturday night, Sunday. If that, <laughs> all the school teachers are like, yeah. If that happens, uh, next Sunday night is supposed to be our final dress rehearsal. You know how important that is. We will have to postpone our final dress rehearsal till Wednesday, December the 19th, which means we won't be able to do Awana that night. So here's what I'm going to ask the Awana teachers to do this week. Pay careful attention to the weather forecast. If on Tuesday and Wednesday they are still calling for the weekend event, then there's a good chance that... Uh, Wednesday the 12th will be your final Awana uh, for this year. So keep that in mind. We'll keep you posted on that. Uh, but uh, uh, a lot of things we can control, but the weather ain't one of them. So please keep that in mind. We'll keep you posted as that draws nearer, but I encourage you to take a look at it. Again, also want to give your attention to a new announcement. Uh, this is not a new event, but a new announcement on Monday, December the 31st. Wayside Baptist invites us to their annual watch night. Uh, we'll be preaching along with several other preachers. They always do breakfast at midnight. Uh, and praying in the new year is always a wonderful event, so you keep that in mind if you would. All right, all the little ones that are heading to Children's Church and Junior Church. Children's Church, Junior Church, come on and make your way down. Uh, James, where are you, buddy? 
There he is. Uh, asking you shall receive. Come on, make your way down to all the little ones. Uh, if you're visiting, they're going to come around and collect any loose change. This is our penny march. Take off, young folks. forget everything I just said because <laughs> I had the dates all wrong. <laughs> uh, we should be fine for the 19th. If we have to reschedule our final dress rehearsal, it'll be on the 12th. That has no impact on the 19th. That's the reason God made good deacons. Amen. <laughs> With cell phones and calendars. Uh, all right, fellas, make your way down this morning, if you would. Miss Marshall, you come get ready to sing for us. You be obedient unto the Lord with his tithes and your offerings. Uh, and let's pray this morning. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that you've provided for us to be in your house today. Lord, I pray your blessings upon the offering. Bless the gift, the giver. And Lord, thank you for the support uh, that folks are so faithful to do. Bless Marsha as she sings in Christ's name. Amen.
And it feels like I've been here for so long. There are days it seems I've been forgotten, but you give the strength to press on. I must admit that I've known disappointments, but somehow. song in your blue song book page 424 we'll get some of that christmas music going this morning oh come all you faithful page number 424 we'll sing the first verse of course fellowship of wild page 
Thank you so much. As always, the ushers make your way back down. Congregation, turn in your Bible to Psalm 8, please. Psalm 8 this morning. Psalm 8, if you would. This is the first Sunday of the month, which means it's, of course, Mission Sunday here at the church. Ladies, I'll ask you all to play something quickly for us. And again, you be obedient unto the Lord with tithes and offerings. But this is an opportunity to do so with missions, and we are so grateful for the opportunity we have. Lord, bless this mission offering and every missionary uh, that it supports. Bless them, especially this time of year. Lord, we'll thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.
please. I'm going to read just two verses this morning. Psalm 8, verse number 1 and 2. If you have found your place, say amen. Notice what Scripture says, verse number 1. O Lord, our O Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who hath set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths and ba- uh, of the mouth of babes and suckling hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. I want you to turn to one more place for me, if you would. In addition to what you just read, turn with me, please, to the gospel, if you would, please, of Luke chapter number 7. Put your bookmarker there where we just were. Put your bookmarker there and turn to Luke chapter number 7. We're going to read verses 11 through 17. Luke chapter 7, verse 11 through 17. Keep that phrase in mind that we just read. O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Now in verse number 11 of Luke 7. Came to pass the day after that he, he there is Christ, went into a city called Nain. Many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the son, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And much people of the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. He came and touched the beer, the funeral beer we would call it, and they say, and they that bear him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he that was dead sat up, began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. There came a fear on all. They glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up among us, that God hath visited his people. This rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about. Father, thank you for your word, for what it means, what it stands for. Lord, I pray your blessings now upon the preaching hour. Lord, take the outline that I believe you've laid upon my heart. Use it to impact your people Lord, as has already been said, if there's a lost soul here today, God, I pray that the Spirit of God would do what only the Spirit of God can do and convict that heart, show them their need of salvation. We will thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. If you'll indulge me for just a moment, I want to tell you a quick five-minute story that was the impetus or is the impetus for this message. The details that I'm going to share with you, I have received permission from the person involved. Seven months ago, eight months ago now, I hired at the college a new dean who came with a great deal of higher education experience. She also had 10 years of military experience. So I don't need to tell you that with 10 years in the Air Force, having risen through the ranks, she is a rather no-nonsense kind of person. 
no frills, no fluff. In fact, she told me that her family calls her Miss Balsy Pants. Several months after joining our college, about five months in fact, her husband took unexpectedly ill. He was in the hospital for three weeks and subsequently went home to be with the Lord very unexpectedly. To compound the tragedy, the following week after they buried her husband, their son was to be married and the father was supposed to have been the best man. So she buries her husband. She helps get everything quickly together for this wedding. Instead of him standing there as best man, it's a picture standing there. And so immediately, because of all the time she'd been out of work, she had to come back to work. And out of her own words, I said to her, she, she did not really have time to mourn. She's a person of deep faith, in fact, extremely active in her church. And on uh, this past week, I had a meeting with her to go over several things. We finished our business. I looked at her and I said, I know it's tough this time of year. How are you doing? And this incredibly no-nonsense woman began to cry great big crocodile tears, and she looked at me and she said, Dr. Hodges, having a tough time. She began to describe what had happened this morning. Some of you can follow her on Facebook if you want. I'll tell you who it is later. But she talked about that particular morning, how she almost didn't come into work. I said, what happened? She said, I got up. She said, this is going to be the dumbest thing you've ever heard, but I got up. Getting myself ready for work, I looked over at the mantle where my children's baby shoes are, and one of the shoes was missing. She said, my cat had jumped up on the mantle, had grabbed one of them. She said, I had an absolute meltdown. She looked at me, she said, isn't that the dumbest thing ever? She said, isn't that the craziest thing? I said, no, actually it's not because our body has different ways of reacting. She said, you don't understand. I was in the middle of the floor in a fetal position crying over a baby shoe. I looked at her and said, probably you weren't. You were crying and mourning over everything your soul has had to endure the last two months. She said, but my story gets better. I said, please tell me. She said she got up off the ground and said, I can't go to work today. I look a mess. And then something in the back of her mind said, you need to go to work. So she she drives from South Boston up to Martinsville. She got in her car, uh, and as she was driving, dreary day like today, uh, she said as she came around on the Danville Bypass, uh, she noticed a rainbow started piercing out of the sky. She said she pulled over onto the side of the road and began to pray and said, God, I don't know if you meant this for me, but that rainbow reminds me that even when I am weakest, you are never going to forsake me. You're never going to turn your back on me. You're never going to walk away from me. I don't understand everything that's happening, but I'm taking comfort in the one who does. She told me that story, and I asked her permission to share it, and I immediately went to this passage, the story of the widow of Nain's son's death. If this was a story of only of that widow's son's funeral, how tragic it would be, But what is the real impetus of the story is the fact that Jesus shows up at a funeral, turns despair into delight. 
Jesus shows up in a time of desperation and what is sorrow becomes shouting ground. What is a time for heartache becomes time for hearty celebration. Can I say to you this morning, church, whatever you face, whatever circumstance you're going through, whatever trial or tribulation you may face, may I remind you that the God you serve is greater than your trial. So with the help of the Lord this morning, I want to give you a message that I'm entitling From Despair to Delight. From Despair to Delight. I began this morning by sharing with you a couple of verses from Psalm 8. The psalmist writes, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. I want to ask you a question this morning that I will answer myself and you may be surprised by the answer. Well, I know that God is always good. And while I know that his name is always worthy to be praised, are there times, situations, and circumstances in your life where sometimes you just don't feel like praising? You don't have to nod your head or say amen. I'll do it for you. Because if you're not acknowledging that, uh, you're probably not being truthful. Why? Because God never promised us that the Christian life would be an easy one. He never promised us that there wouldn't be trials, there wouldn't be tribulations, there wouldn't be difficulties. He never said that the Christian life would be easy. All he said is that you won't have to do it by yourself. So I want us to look at three things quickly this morning about this little story. Number one, notice if you would please the message. The message. Verse number 11 says it came to pass. The day after that he went into a city called Nain. Many of his disciples went with him. And notice the next clause. And much people. Let me start this morning by telling you that there is a lot we don't know about Nain. Nain is not like Capernaum. It's not like Jerusalem or Bethlehem where there's lots of information or biblical scholars or archaeologists have discovered much. Nain remains somewhat of a mystery. Here's what we do know. That it's located in the northern province of Galilee. It is believed to be a six-mile journey, about a day's journey from Nazareth. And we do know that it was a little city, and the word name translated literally means beauty or beautiful. In all likelihood, scholars think that this was a quaint little village on the seashore of Galilee. But would you listen to me? In this mother's heart, this was not a day of beauty. In this mother's heart, this was not a day of celebration. In this mother's heart, this was not a day to be praised. This was a day where this beautiful little community, where this beautiful little serene town had been invaded by death. Let me pause just a moment and say to every one of us, there is no point, no time, or no juncture in your life where you are immune from sorrow. What do you mean, Pastor Greg? What I'm saying to you this morning is you might be walking through an easy path right now, but hold on, your time is coming. You might not have tribulation and trials right now, but hold on, your time is coming. I want everybody in the building to understand that though you may not have circumstantial problems, difficulties, or trials now, it is soon going to darken your horizon. Man is but a few days old and full of trouble. Everybody in the room is going to face trials, sometimes even tragedies. Every one of us. The city makes it clear that this was a time of heartache. 
But not only do you see the city, I want you to notice the companions. The companions. Jesus was not alone as he was making this trip. Scripture says that he was accompanied, number one, by his disciples, the apostles, the chosen. As well as many people, it says in verse number 11. If you were to read the first part of the chapter, you would find that Jesus has already done a miracle in Capernaum. And there are many who believe that Jesus uh, was likely followed by those believers to the little city of Nain in hopes that they would see him work more miracles. Some, no doubt, looked upon him as nothing other than a miracle worker, while others looked upon him as perhaps something greater. I want to pause just a moment, church. Because I said a moment ago that all of us are none of, none of us rather, are immune from tragedy. In fact, to be candid with you, I get amazed at all of the things that Christians have to endure. Just when I think I've heard the worst, somebody tells me something else that they're struggling with, uh, some other circumstance they're going through, uh, something else that a family member is enduring, uh, and I am reminded uh, that every single believer faces mountains. But look at me. Every single believer also has a testimony of God's deliverance. Whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's financial, if you're saved, you've got a spiritual testimony. Every single believer, you can look back upon the history of your life and you can see where God intervened, where God did the miraculous, where God spoke peace, where God did something that the doctor couldn't do, where God did something that the friend couldn't do, where God did something that the spouse couldn't do. You look back over the history of your life and you have to stand back and say, God has been good good to me what a testimony it would be if we as God's children came to God's house every week with the expectation that God's gonna do it again what an incredible testimony it would be if every time we walked in the door we did so with the expectation that God's going to save somebody, that God's going to touch somebody, that God's going to deliver somebody, that somebody's going to get help, that a family's going to be restored, that a prodigal's going to be brought back. Because may I say to you that the God we serve has not changed in 2,000 years. In fact, he says, I am the Lord thy God, I Change not. Number one this morning, we said, number one, the message. Number two, the mood. The mood. Notice verse 12, please. Now when he, the he there is Christ, came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man. Often when we talk about this story, this is referred to as the widow of Nain's son. And I have to tell you, virtually every picture that I've ever seen painted, most of the songs that are written about this, paint this as a young boy. But my Bible says he's a dead man. A dead man. There was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. Much people of the city were with her. If, in fact, scholars were correct that the city of Nain was a strikingly beautiful city. I must admit to you that I think as Jesus and his followers, whether they be the disciples or the people, made their way to the city, that this quaint beauty of this little village is overshadowed by the dark pain of death and misery. Why, Pastor? 
Because you understand, folks, for this mother, this was a time of severe, deadly consequences. I want you to get this. You need to understand this. That this woman is not just a mother who's grieving. She's now a widow. She now has no husband. Scripture says that this was her only son. We don't know if others died prior, if this is the only one she had. But now she's husbandless, and now she's childless. In our society today, we have many catch and balances in place that will help those who are in the greatest need. But listen to me carefully. Nothing like that was in place in Jewish society. Oftentimes, a widow who is left childless has no one to take care of her, and she's left to a life of beggary. So it wasn't just that this woman's child was being buried. It wasn't just that she buried her husband. Uh, This is a situation of deadly, dire consequences. While Nain may have been beautiful, this woman was grieving. I'll pause just a moment and say something that I know everybody in the building knows, but I want to repeat it. Death is a visitor that absent the rapture will come for us all. Absent the rapture, death is a visitor that will come for everybody. What are you saying, Pastor? If the Lord tarries His coming, every single person will face eternity. That is the reason, church. I know you know it. You know everybody's going to die. But may I say to you this morning that what you discern regarding eternity is the greatest decision you will ever make. That's the reason that every single Sunday... I always ask if there's anyone here who is not sure of their salvation because there is no greater question that you can be asked if when you die, do you know where you're going? This woman is facing the death of her child. She's already buried her husband. She's already realized that her life is about to be destroyed because of her circumstance. Notice, not only do you see that there was death in the air, there was also despair in the air. Would you amen me this morning that this woman needed a miracle? This woman, left to her own desire, had no hope. There was no help for her. There was nothing that could be done to improve her circumstance. Uh, Women, by all accounts, were not typically allowed to work public jobs. It was a different time in a different world. This woman is desperate. Hear what I'm about to say. Our God specializes in those kind of cases. Fast forward 2,000 years, uh, and many of us still find ourselves in desperate situations. We find ourselves without a job. We find ourselves in medical conditions. We find ourselves in financial conditions. We find ourselves in work conditions. We find ourselves in home conditions where we do not understand, where we cannot make sense of it. Things just don't seem to be working out. May I say to you that when the doctor doesn't have an answer, when the preacher doesn't have an answer, when the deacon doesn't have an answer, when the friend doesn't have an answer, when the spouse doesn't have an answer, I know a man who can. The mood in this city was desperate. Number one, you see with us, it was a time of death. It was a time of despair. But I submit to you, it was also a time of distress. 
I am, I am taken by verse number 11 when it talks about the fact that there were disciples, the chosen with Christ, but then there were also other people there as well. You see, it wasn't just Jesus and his 12. There were others who had followed Christ there to the city of Nain. The popularity of Christ at this time was beginning to rise, especially in the northern province of Galilee. Many looked at him as just a miracle worker. They saw him, if you'll allow this phrase, as a magician. Someone who could deliver bread from heaven. Someone who could instantly and miraculously, almost like we would think as a showman, do something incredible. Listen to what I'm about to say. And I submit to you that many of the people were following him for the wrong reason. They didn't look at him as the Son of God. They didn't understand him as the Messiah. What they saw was a miracle showman, and they wanted more. But I also believe, listen now, that there were probably those there in Nain who were there to comfort this grieving wife and mother. I cannot help but think if many of the folks that walked the city street that day were there because they loved this mama. Who, by the way, we don't know her name. We don't know her lineage. We don't know her heritage. We don't know her ancestry. We know absolutely nothing about her. Uh, But I believe that there were probably some there that day who were there for one reason and one reason only. There was somebody who needed help, and they were there to help her. Can I pause a moment and say, what a testimony for a church. What a testimony for a church. This morning... We continued the Sunday school lesson that I had started downstairs last week where we talked about thankfulness. And this morning, I asked the 40 or 50 folks that were down here to laser in on why church still matters. What it is about church that is important to them. Why do they get up on a Sunday morning, put their church clothes on on a dreary, rainy day? Why is it that you get up and make yourself available down to the church house? Why does church still matter? I shared this story, but I want to share it again to the greater congregation. The lesson came about because of a book I received from a pastor buddy of mine entitled Church Still Matters. And the foreword to it is what really rattled my cage because the foreword of the book was an essay from an agnostic non-believer entitled Church is No Longer Relevant. And this writer went through page after page about how baby boomers, how millennials, and how the Gen X, or the Gen I, I should say, are turning away from God. How they're walking away from the foundations of the faith. How they're turning their back on the things of God. And he came to the conclusion that America is a post-church society. Can I say to you this morning, folks... I don't consider myself old. I am 48 years old, but I will say to you this morning, I'm old enough or young enough to know that we need church. I'm old enough or young enough to know that whether you're 8 years old, 18 years old, or 88 years old, you still need worship in the house of God. You need to find your place in the house of worship. Church is not for God's benefit. It is for our benefit. I listened to reason after reason after reason this morning as to what they came up with. And here's the bottom line. Church still matters today. You cannot replace it. Interestingly, Our enemy has tried for thousands of years to destroy the church. 
He tried to destroy it before Jesus was born. He tried to destroy it at Calvary. He has tried to defeat it ever since it was birthed on the day of Pentecost. But would you look at me? That old ship of Zion, honey, she's still afloating. She's still afloating. The mood in this city was one of despair. Number two this morning, the message was clear. But finally, number three, the miracle. The miracle. Go back with me if your text, if you would, to verse number 13. Notice what scripture says. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. I love this simple statement, what I'm about to say. This may seem unusual to us, but this is a very common scene in Scripture. What do you mean, Brother Greg? Look at me. Jesus always had compassion for those in need. I want to say that again to those independent fundamental Baptists in there who have compassion on nobody. Jesus always had compassion for those in need. This is not an exception. He never, listen, when Jesus come upon those in need, he never had words of anger or frustration. He reserved those for the spiritual holier than thou's. Amen. You go read the red letter words of your Bible. And you will find that the sweet things that Jesus said were to those who were in need. And oftentimes they were sinners to the core. And the words of chastisement that he had were those who thought their spirituality made them better than somebody else. Looked at this woman and he said two words which on their surface make no sense. Weep not. For a mother who was having to bury her child, telling her not to cry may seem cruel. I've stood in this pulpit and shared with you that the things that I have heard from the, that very small group of people who have to endure the unimaginable. Many of us prepare ourselves to bury our parents. We prepare ourselves to even have to bury our siblings. But very few of us ever prepare ourselves to have to bury our children. I've shared the story with you that my great-grandmother died on her 105th birthday had eight children and buried six of them. Because of her long life, she had to stand by the graveside of six of her eight children. She looked at me one day. She was an older woman when she got saved. She was well into her 70s. She looked at me one day and she said, I have gone through many things in my life, but I never get over having to bury my children. So I submit to you, it may seem rather strange that Jesus would look at a mother with this kind of grief and say, don't cry, weep not. How could that be possible? How could he say something that on his surface sounds so cruel? The answer is simple. What she doesn't know is he's about to do the miraculous. What she doesn't, amen, what she doesn't know is that death has no victory over the king of kings. What she doesn't know is that what destroys us can become our deliverance. Why? When Jesus shows up, death has to flee. Notice, not only his pity, but his power. Verse 14, the concluding verse part there says, He came and touched the bier, the funeral pier, if you would. 
And they that bear him stood still. I think you understand that this is not a coffin or a casket. But rather is a wooden structure made of sticks. Cloth on the top, the dead, the deceased. In this case, the child would be laid across it. Or the young man would be laid across it. There would be pallbearers that would be, be summoned, if you will, to carry them out of the city. And as Jesus made his way up, he touched the funeral bier. And everyone stopped. I'm always reminded, anytime I think about this, of the elderly lady who had been a a uh, old maid all of her life. She'd never married, and she told the pastor uh, that she had her wedding, or rather, her funeral plans all laid out. Uh, and sure enough, uh, when she uh, breathed her last breath, the funeral plans were opened, and she named nine ladies that she wanted to be her pallbearers. Nine ladies. At the bottom, uh, she had a note for the pastor and said, Dear preacher, uh, when folks want to know why I have picked these ladies, let them know uh, that if I couldn't get a man to take me out when I was living, they're not going to take me out when I'm dead. Amen. Jesus makes his way up to the funeral procession. Hear me now. It's Jesus makes his way to the funeral procession. Doubtedly mourners in front of them, wailing over the death of this young man, understanding the trials and the circumstances that this woman was about to face. Death has to flee when Jesus shows up. We often talk about Jesus conquering death at the cross and at the tomb. Would you look at me? He conquered death before he ever even made it to the cross. You know this as well as I do. Uh, this boy's not the only one Jesus resurrects from the dead. Uh, there's Lazarus. There's others that are resurrected from the dead. Uh, the only difference between them and Jesus uh, is that they would still die again. Uh, but when Jesus conquered death for every man, woman, boy, and girl who believes, uh, he would never have to die again. Jesus showed up and his power is on clear display. Finally, this morning, notice his preeminence. Verse number 16 says, There came a fear on all. Let's go back and read the rest of verse 15. He said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. He that was dead sat up and began to speak. May I say that again? He that was dead sat up and began to speak. I'm, uh, I'm always amazed at scoffers who want to say that perhaps this boy wasn't dead. Because this wasn't witnessed just by one or two. There were hundreds, dozens of people who saw this. Uh, you could not mistake this uh, for anything other than a miraculous uh, resurrection. And let me let you in on something. Uh, read the verse. Jesus never even touched the boy. Jesus touched the funeral bier on which the boy was residing. Jesus never touched Lazarus. But he got up anyway. How? How does Jesus have that power? Uh, this is Gregology. I think it has something to do with his spoken word. You see, there is, uh, there was, uh, and there always will be power in the spoken word of Jesus. So when he says, uh, I say unto thee, arise, he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he, Jesus, delivered him to his mother. There came a fear upon all. Let me pause a moment and say, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
One of the reasons I try to stay in the straight and narrow, uh, I'm not perfect by any means, fail every day, but I try to stay on the straight and narrow because I'm scared to death of what God will do to me if I don't. This may not fit your theology, but I've been whooped at the spiritual woodshed enough times to know I don't like it. And I try to live a decent life. Again, I'm not perfect because I get dog scared of what he's going to do to get my attention. So in this moment, a holy, righteous fear fell upon them. And I love this last clause. And they glorified God saying, A great prophet is risen up among us. God hath visited his people. Reminds me of what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. At the moment of resurrection, when that dead boy sat up, got off the funeral pier, and began to speak to his mother, at that moment, this man that Jesus has raised from the dead is so apparent to everybody that they say one thing. The only explanation is God did this. So I want to ask you a question this morning. You can close your Bibles. Let me ask you a very simple question. If God was going to... Would you amen me that our God has foreknowledge? He knows everything. He's omniscient. Omnipresent. He knows all. He sees all. Here's my question. Why, if Jesus was going to resurrect this boy from the dead, Why did he have to die? Why did mama have to go through this? Why did she have to grieve herself? We have no idea how long this boy had been dead. But because this is a funeral, understand that Jewish funerals did not happen very quickly after burial. There are some cultures where the dead must be buried within 24 hours. That was not the case in Jewish tradition. In most cases, the dead would be kept days. Not always, but days. Before they were buried. Reason why the body would be anointed with spices. Why did this boy have to die? Can I give you Gregology? Because those around needed to see that death ain't no big deal for the king of kings. We needed to be reminded, as my dean told me this week, that even in the worst circumstance, God has not abandoned us. Even in our darkest hour, we look around, there's a rainbow somewhere to remind us that God has never walked away. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. Brother Ken, come get us a song to sing. A moment of despair becomes a moment of delight when the King of Kings shows up. So I'll ask you two questions this morning with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. The first one is a very simple one. Pastor Greg, I know I'm saved. Don't raise your hand yet. But either me or someone I love dearly is facing a circumstance that only God can fix. Pray for us. Now I'm seeing a whole bunch of hands go up. A whole bunch of them. You can put them down. Let me say to you right now, before I ask another question, before Brother Ken sings the first note of this song, I want to implore you to step out right now. Come to this old altar. 
I know folks are moving. It may get crowded. We'll make room. Make your way to this altar right now. Because I submit to you, though I don't know your circumstance, I know the God of the circumstance. Though I may not have the answer, I sure know but one that does. So now let me ask you the second question. It's the most important question of all. Pastor Greg, I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure where I will spend eternity. Today was my last day on earth. I don't know that heaven would be my home. Would you pray for me? Anyone like that? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray. Anyone like that? Father, thank you for this precious story. For the reminder that delight can come from despair when Jesus shows up. Lord, bless this invitation. Bless Brother Ken as he sings in Christ's name. Sing for us, Brother Ken. Brother and Sister French, they've been coming here for months and months now, and they've come to unite with our congregation. Both been saved and baptized. Uh, if we're in agreement to accept Brother and Sister French into our congregation, would you please say aye? I want you to come around. It's going to be tight, but we're going to extend the right hand of fellowship. Come this way, if you would, and let's pray together. Father, thank you, Lord, for your presence this morning, for this precious couple, Brother and Sister French, coming to unite with our congregation. Lord, we don't take for granted that you're still expanding the doors of our church and doing great and mighty works. We thank you for it. Lord, thank you for the food that our cast and crew are about to receive. Thank you for the hands that prepared it. And Lord, I pray that you'd bless our practice this afternoon in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed, cast and crew. We're eating downstairs today.